Why does the name on this keep changing for you? Now you're witty megaphone. I don't know. Cause I don't, I'm not, cause I, I think I need to like input my own name and I won't. And yeah. every time I log in, it gives me a random one. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. So today I have to be witty. Oh, and finally, I'm gonna, uh, my chair won't squeak because I got a new chair. Ooh. So, do we get sponsors? <laughs> huh? Did we get sponsors for this? <laughs> <laughs> the sponsors were, I saved some money from last oh. month. So, <laughs> chair. <laughs> oh, wait. I should probably look up like the plot summary to help me. <laughs> How do we normally start that? We're usually because I never around until one of them s says hi. Because <laughs> <laughs> I never remember. It's like yeah. oh god. The woman in the window. La femme, la fenêtre. Cool. I'm so good at la français. <laughs> oui, oui, baguette. <laughs> Bonjour, <Ignore> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what do you mean? My pronunciation was perfect. Bonjour, no. <laughs> Bonjour, no. <laughs> no, I just want like the IMDb summary. Come on, guys. Those are usually good. That'll help me. Oh, whatever. Wikipedia. That's fine. IMDb. They updated their webpage. Did you notice IMDb? Uh, no, I have not. Like, if you click on the, the movie and you look at top cast, now, instead of having just the list, they have tiny bubbles with their pictures, and it looks a lot more, like, modern. Okay, wait, if I better. go to like, what do just, I have to hit? Yeah, to you, find just, it? you just open the normally the movie. It looks different, at least for me. Like on the app or the website? Website. It looks the same to me. What? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't see fun circles. Mine is dull. <laughs> wait, I'll take a picture of. Like the cast listing looks like this. What the hell? Uh, Why is yours so nice? The top thing looks like this. What the fuck? Yeah. Do you have like the pro version or something? I don't think so. What? Why is yours so I cool? Am bro no, no, I don't have the pro, but there is the essential research for entertainment professionals. Because how the fuck would I have a pro yeah. IMDb? someone's review was even Amy couldn't save this movie <laughs> <laughs> yep yep which is like kind of accurate yep yep and that's saying a lot like honestly that is yeah. like you have Gary Oldman there and that it isn't yeah also I mean you've got Joe Wright too of Pride and Prejudice, Atonement, Darkest Hour. He's the director. 
you have several Oscar nominees and Oscar winners. Yeah. And an Oscar winner director, I think. Mm-hmm. It's Joe Wright. He must have won an Oscar. Yeah, did he win for Darkest Hour? Probably. I Wait, don't know. No. Two BAFTAs? Uh, basically the same. No Oscars. No, not even mm. nominations. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Because Atonement is really, really good. Darkest mm-hmm. Hour, Anna Karolina, Atonement, yeah. Pride and Prejudice, which is me. But also inexplicable Anthony Mackie having like four lines as the dead husband. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is the Falcon doing here? I don't know. And why does the Falcon only have four lines? I don't know. They gave more screen time to the new Captain America. Because, like, the David, the the tenant is from... Have you watched the Winter Soldier? The, the Falcon and Winter Soldier? Is that no, the series? Well, because they renamed Captain America that basically yeah. it's about that and Wyatt Russell who plays the tenant David uh-huh. yeah. is the new Captain America oh so they okay. have or like they have the new Captain America and then when like yeah. Falcon is like what and Wait, so Falcon isn't the new Captain America cuz I thought he was supposed to take over as Captain America Are you going to watch the series? Uh, I mean, I wasn't planning to because Captain America as like a commodity is not my favorite, but uh, just tell me and I might watch it or I might not. Uh, he like, um, Falcon is going to be Captain America, um, but that takes the entire season. Like he becomes Captain America by the end because like the the renamed Captain America, which Uh is Wyatt Russell, um, is uh, like a war veteran, veteran and uh, like a, like a very like patriotic American soldier, and then he gets given the title of Captain America, and then he gets mad because his friend gets killed in action, and then he kills someone with the shield in front of everyone. So then well, he's no awkward. longer ca- yeah yeah yeah. And he's not supposed to be like Steve Rogers. He's someone else. Yeah, he's someone else. So poor Falcon had to like, not only did he have to wait for Captain America to die, but then he has to wait for some random white guy who's less qualified to get the job before him before he loses it. And then he gets to be Captain America. The whole thing is that he gave the shield back to the army. And the army uh-huh. named someone else. Um, um, okay. But I think the the point was that Steve Rogers was... He gave the shield to the Falcon with that pretense that he would become then the next Captain America, but didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole, basically, season is about him yeah. coming to grips with being the next Captain America. Okay. And everything that that stands, good and bad. Yeah. And then Bucky's basically um, just mm-hmm. going through therapy. 
Fair enough. <laughs> He's been through a lot of yeah, shit. Yeah, he goes through therapy and does exercises and tries to. They go. They go in one episode. They go to couple couples counseling with Bucky mm-hmm. and the Falcon to like work on their issues together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>, <laughs> Bucky is a real MVP because he's really he's. He's trying. He really is trying yeah. with his uh-huh. psychiatrist. He's giving it his best shot. Yeah. All right. So now you have on record a nine minute summary about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, yeah, which is not what we're <laughs> reviewing. Uh, did we even say hello to each other to pretend like we're beginning a podcast? Well, hi there. <laughs> oh, hi. Maybe. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I'm going to pretend. I'm going to pretend that that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying new things and I was not. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Anna. What did we watch this week? We watched The Woman in the Window, a new Netflix movie, type of crime thriller, Hitchcock-esque, rear window um, type film with Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackay, Julian Moore, pretty like A-list cast. Definitely. Yeah. So the film... Like you said, is sort of suspense, uh, thriller, crime, drama thing. A lot like uh, you can tell the people who made it were probably uh, pretty obsessed with uh, Hitchcock because it's stylized in that exact same way. And it follows kind of a similar story construction. Yeah. So the film is about this woman named Anna Fox, who's a child psychologist, but she's not working right now because she is severely agoraphobic. So when she goes outside, she has extreme panic attacks. So she lives alone, apparently estranged from her husband and daughter in a massive Manhattan, like brownstone apartment with like four floors. Yeah, I don't know how she still affords this place. It must be so expensive. But I guess if you were to be stuck somewhere, it's a pretty nice place to be stuck. (laughs) Like if you had to live out of an apartment like that. It's established in the beginning that one of her coping mechanisms for her severe anxiety and agoraphobia is she people watches and she spies on her neighbors. A family has just moved in across the street, the Russells. Jane Russell, her husband, Alistair, played by Gary Oldman, and then their son, Ethan. So towards the beginning of the film, the son comes over to introduce himself and to drop off a candle that his mom gave him to give to her. And Ethan comes off as very weird, meek and curious and, yeah, kind of weird for a 16-year-old boy in a weird way, tries to, like, befriend Anna and being a former child psychologist. And I was like, okay, well, if you need someone to talk to, you can talk to me type thing. And a little bit later in the 
film, Jane, Ethan's mom, comes over to introduce herself after she finds on Halloween some kids are egging uh, Anna's apartment. And they have an evening together where they bond and drink wine. And the mom is very, very weird and very blunt and says things that you would never say in (laughs) normal conversation. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's really strange, but they seem to strike up an odd kind of friendship and bond over both being moms and what it's like. Anyway, a couple of days pass And through those conversations with Ethan and with Jane, Anna gets the sense that Alistair might be abusive. As she's watching them from across the street, she tracks a lot of uh, domestic upset. And then one night when Anna is quite drunk, which she shouldn't be drinking on her anxiety medication, so she's a little bit faced out. She witnesses through the window Jane being stabbed, and she calls the police, and she attempts to go over to help Jane, but since she's severely agoraphobic when she gets outside, it's kind of unclear. A car comes toward her, and so it's not clear she is hit by the car or if she just passes out in the street. But either way, she wakes back up still in her apartment and detectives and police have come by as well as Alistair from across the street. And he says that, you know, nothing happened. She didn't see anything. Jane hasn't been stabbed. She's completely all right. And he even brings Jane over. But the Jane that he brings over is not, in fact, the woman that Anna met. And Ethan, instead of confirming what Anna thinks, says that Anna has never met his mother at all and that this random woman that his dad has brought in is his mother. So Anna is obviously pretty freaked out. She doesn't really know what's going on, but she's convinced that what she saw is true. And the detectives kind of just dismiss her and say that it's probably, you know, her different anxious conditions and trauma that's making her see things that coupled with the drinking and medication, she's not reliable and she didn't see what she saw. She's convinced that she's right and she does a, re- a bunch of research trying to prove it. She receives an anonymous email that has like a photo of her sleeping. And so she calls the, de- the detectives again. Um, and she has some new evidence that she's picked up through some of her research. And she gives all this to the detectives. And they still don't believe her because they think that she's slowly slipping and losing her grip on reality. And one of the detectives tells her in this big climactic scene that her family is dead, that she's not estranged from them, that they died in a car accident. And then we get this kind of long flashback of her in the car with her husband and her daughter, and they get in a horrific car accident, and she's the only one who survives. So at this point in the film, we establish her as kind of completely unreliable because she's been living this delusion that her family is still alive. This- also, um, I sorry for interrupting, yeah. but I want to make a point with um, in the flashback while they're tra- driving in the snow, uh-huh. um, they are um, Anna is having a, an argument, not an argument, but disagreement with the husband mm-hmm. about the fact that the husband wants to split up get a divorce yeah um because apparently anna cheated on him yeah which i really don't understand why is even in the story because it it doesn't 
It doesn't add anything. The only thing what I think it might try to add is the to even make Anna more unreliable. Yeah. And kind of um, morally a bit maybe not good in a way. And I guess add to her sense of guilt, which adds to the trauma that she experiences. But that seems to be the only reason why it's in there. It doesn't come up again. So at this point, Anna accepts that she was probably having delusions that she didn't witness Jane murdered, that she imagined Jane coming over and befriending her, and that none of that none of that really happened. You know, she's trying to cope with all this, but clearly she can't. So she decides that she's going to take her own life. But while she's preparing to do that, uh, she's scrolling through some photos on her phone, sort of reminiscing. And she discovers a photograph that she took of her cat the night that she imagined that she met Jane. And in the reflection of a wine glass that's sitting on the counter, she can see Jane's face and it's not the face of the woman who they're saying is Jane right now. So Anna is vindicated by this and she realizes that she isn't in fact all crazy, that she did see Jane and that Jane was murdered. Uh, And at this point, uh, Ethan basically emerges from the shadows of her apartment and reveals himself to be the killer and that the woman he killed, who Anna thought was Jane, was his birth mom, but not his stepmom. So her name isn't in fact Jane, but she was killed and it wasn't Alistair who killed her like it looked like from the window. What she couldn't see from the window was that it was actually Ethan who killed her. And so this whole time, Alistair has been trying to protect his son. After a long kind of back and forth fight, she pushes him through a like skylight window and he falls like four stories down to her bottom floor and dies. Then the final scene is her a few months later and she appears to be sober and in quite good health compared to how we've seen her most of the movie, which is kind of drugged up and drunk. And she says goodbye to the apartment and leaves. And that's the whole film. Yeah. It has a great cast. Yeah, definitely. Everyone is acting their ass off and I don't know how they got... Well, I guess I do know how they got the people because of the director. Because it was directed by Joe Wright, who directed Atonement and Darkest Hour, uh, films like that. So it's got a weirdly star-studded cast. It's got a cast that almost, you would think, guarantees a good movie. Yeah, it it doesn't, though. (laughs) I think it's unfair to say that this is bad. Because, like, it's not bad. But it's not good. No. It's a very... Like, I don't know. If if you are a person who enjoys Hitchcock movies and kind of these kinds of rear window type of um, thrillers, this is nothing new. It, it, it All the plot hooks and everything that it does isn't... There's nothing that's going to kind of 
shock you or take you by surprise. Plot-wise, it is very traditional. There is a hermit person who sees a murder. No one believes that the murder happened. They're always wealthy or like kind of upper class. Inexplicably wealthy. Like yeah. the fact that she can't work and still affords that brown. Yeah, because like that was like a big pet peeve when I was watching this movie. I was like kind of annoyed about like how is she affording this apartment as a child psychologist? Like yeah. she has to be like old money rich in order to have that house. Yeah, that house in Manhattan, no less. And she has, uh, there's a kind of secondary character that winds up caught up in everything named Dan, who rents her like basement apartment, which has David. Oh, yeah, sorry, David. <laughs> um, it has like a separate entrance. And so I think that supplements the income a little bit because he pays rent. But I mean, she That's has not enough. And he has a one bedroom basement. So. But there are like where she's getting it, the money. Yeah, it, if you're used to watching movies like this, you already pick up on clues. The first time she meets Jane, Anna says, "You must be Jane Russell," and then Julian Moore is like, "Like, why do you think so?" She doesn't deny it, but she doesn't also say yes. So yeah. if you've watched movies like this, that is already a clue that okay, there is something fishy here. The first Jane doesn't introduce herself. Yeah, that's not... She doesn't have a normal reaction to that. No, no. And then the whole fuss about her roof being in bad shape, that the glass yeah. roof is has to be repaired. That So already from the beginning, you know that there is going to be an end showdown on the roof. Because otherwise, why even mention the bad deteriorating glass roof? Yeah, so it's, it's classic setup. So plot-wise, it doesn't do really anything new. It is entertaining in a way that characters are in a way believable, and I think that is solely because the actors are that good. But plot-wise, it's not really... It's subpar. Yeah, I think so. The plot is not as good as this cast deserves. No. That's no. for sure. No. Cast and director. Like, I, I, I don't understand how they managed to... Well, the no. story is based on a book, so I have no I, I haven't read the book, so I don't know how that story actually is. But if it would be anywhere as good as like Gone Girl or anything, it, it would be more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too clear on it either. I read that the film rights for this story sold before the book was actually published itself so some company or some person had an interest in this story long before the book was even popular and i don't know how popular this book was it was written by dan mallory under a pseudonym and he has written quite a few like crime mystery books and is himself a very weird controversial figure uh known for exaggerating the truth and straight up lying about things not just in books but in real life and in interviews about his own life so that's a little bit odd well in january 20 2018 the book was a new york Times bestseller number one so at least for one week people were talking about it oh my god 
Danny Elfman did the music. How did this move? How how did this film? <laughs> I have no how, fucking idea. How, how does words work? Like how is seriously? Sorry. Well, that just I feel that that just that just shows that the story, the core story of the thing, yeah, the writing has to be bad. I think so. Like, really bad. I'm really boring. I like thrillers. I like horror, but I mainly tend to watch horror over thriller. Mm -hmm. So I don't find myself or feel to be a real like expert in thrillers and thriller yeah. directors and and that kind of like I know Hitchcock because everyone does and has I've seen Hitchcock movies and I really like The Rear Window, which this is basically based on. But still, for someone who occasionally watches like a thriller mm -hmm. it's not in any way a new concept no i think the fault has to be in the story structure of the book because i didn't think the like di i thought the dialogue writing was pretty good but i think it's like overall plot construction and characterization like is not great but you know who adapted the book well, please share, because... It was Tracy Letts. And Tracy Letts is the guy who wrote August Osage County. The book has to be shit. The book actually I, has I to be so. shit, because there is nothing to adapt. Yeah, because, like, actual conversation I thought was pretty good. You know, like oh yeah, it was it was just the core plot that the, yeah. the core plot that was really bad. Yeah, I I went here to look who did cinematography because <clears throat> I know we wanted to talk about that cinematography. Bruno Del Bonel. But yeah, the the actors were good. Dialogue was good and believable. It was um, how the character spoke really reflected kind of the character itself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the plot itself, all the plot hooks and and the pacing of the the film was very unoriginal. I don't I don't see why this film has to exist, you know? Yeah. Like it, it's it's kind of always when you do a remake of an old movie, mm -hmm. you have to have a reason why. Like you have to bring something new and fresh to the to the old one. Yeah. In order to kind of have a valid reason to remake it. Mm -hmm. And I think that this one really doesn't. No. And the, the, which we kind of is sad because like the first 40 minutes about, yeah, about 40 minutes, I was really into it. I was like, yeah, this is the pacing is slow and how yeah. it's filmed and it's gloomy and kind of dirty and you can really feel this woman being stuck in her house, not wanting to go outside, being in her pajamas and messy. Because Amy Adams is a really good actor. And yeah. she does that kind of ugly acting very well. She does. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a drug addict or that kind of like not being pretty, but still being like looking like a real person that goes through it. Yeah. 
Oh, she's really good at that. The first 40 minutes, I felt like, okay, this is going to be good. This is going to be like a like kind of a nostalgic um, thriller. Like, it doesn't have to do anything new and interesting, but it has that kind of nostalgia feeling. Old-fashioned thriller that goes slow, and then you see something, and then everything. But then it's just... The, the whole ending kind of ruins it, because, like, they pull in the son being the the real killer and the, an aspired serial killer basically and all, first of all the son said that he was 16 he did not look 16 no um i feel that they should have picked a lane you know like if you want to go into that nostalgia hitchcock type of thriller feeling you need to stay in that lane and not yeah. try like throwing curveballs and trying to like not even curveballs or not try to convince the the viewer that oh maybe it's the roommate that really was the killer oh maybe it's the husband maybe it's this maybe mm-hmm. it's the postman maybe it's that maybe she's just crazy because everyone knows yeah that it's either the husband or the son because the son in the beginning is already super weird when he brings the plant and no, the sorry the candle the candle so if you're not going to do anything new and interesting, then it would have been a lot better if if they would have just stayed in that kind of nostalgia thriller type of thing and made the husband the actual killer. And the whole thing that the wife is actually maybe the, the, Jane too is actually the one also behind the killing. And maybe that was a ruse to get rid of Jane one. Yeah. Like that, I think that angle would have been more interesting even. Sorry. Yeah, I think so. I'm just ranting again. No, no. I mean, I think the point of this also, is to sorry, rant. Again, <laughs> I got a second wind. Um, why bother naming days? Like, you have no that clue. slow pacing, and then you have between, not even between scenes, but, but you had like occasional Monday, Tuesday. It's again like the things heard and seen. Why bother putting names for days? Because like I at first I was trying to like figure out what happened. Okay, so these are my notes for for the week schedule. Um, Monday she met the neighbor boy. Tuesday was Halloween, mm-hmm. and she met Jane. Sorry, she met Jane one. So. Yeah, um, Jane, Moore. not Jane. Yeah, and then I made a note about Jane not saying yes to the assumption of Anna calling her Jane. Wednesday, Anna heard a scream. Thursday, the murder happened, and then the reveal of Jane too. Mm-hmm. Friday, I haven't marked anything special for that day. I assume she had therapy. Um, <laughs> And then Sunday, everything was revealed. Yeah. The, the, the past was revealed. Mm-hmm. And then I started stop making notes about the weekdays because I realized that it doesn't matter. No. Plot-wise, it doesn't matter what day it is. Mm-mm. There's nothing to do with the passage of time. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Because also, the way that they construct the film in a lot of different ways makes it very disorienting or makes it very disorientating 
I don't know which of those is correct. Disorienting or disorientating? Disorienting? Disorienting. That sounds more right. Disorienting. Okay, wait, Google knows what I mean. Wait, both disoriented and disorientated have more or less the same meaning. Then which is correct? Aha! You will never find out unless you use it in a school essay. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay, wait. No, side note, because now now I have to know. Like, Okay, I can continue my rant while you figure out... Um, okay, yeah. But yeah, it doesn't really... For the viewer-wise, um, what day of the week it is. Because when the film ends, we know... It was approximately a week. For her to start feeling crazy and then being suicidal, planning to actually kill herself, which they kind of also hinted throughout the film that she might have tried before, but they didn't really talk about it again. It's a very fast escalation of situation of the whole situation. If, if you think about how the characters think and feel. Because if everything happened in approximately a span of a week, it's pretty fast to get someone that feeling that crazy in a week that they would actually kill themselves. Especially since the murder happened on Thursday. So that leaves three days. Yeah. For her past to be revealed. Yeah. Three days after she witnessed the murder. Yeah. See, Anna, I'm hearing you. But I just have to oh, let yeah, you know that yeah. uh, both disorientating and disorienting are correct. It's just that disorientating is mainly used in UK English and disorienting is mainly used in US language. So disorienting is what I'm going to go with. <laughs> because why add in an extra syllable if yeah, yeah it doesn't... Exactly. Not... I was just going to say we are economic with our letters exactly but yeah i totally agree that it the time doesn't make any sense and i also thought it was very weird how quickly she descended into absolute madness i don't know if if you were to bring that as a critique they would just say well it's because she was so close to the edge before that anyway but I don't know. I feel like it would have been better had they just not put the days and just left it as kind of like a hazy experience because it seems like besides stating the days, a lot of the other different devices used in the film, how the lighting is used, the cinematography, her lack of changing wardrobe, like it's all very disorienting and it's hard to tell the passage of time. If anything, it feels like time is both nothing and forever in this film. And so if you're not giving us any other clues, what is the point in stating? Because it doesn't really seem like time matters. It doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Yeah, so plot-wise, it would have been a better choice to leave those day statements out because that would have just enhanced the kind of blurriness of the days that someone who might suffer from agoraphobia and is 
pumped up with meds and drinks on top of the meds that she's not supposed to drink, has trauma, um, sees horrific things. I feel that leaving the state, the day statements out would really enhance that kind of like escalation of that blurriness, like you said. Yeah. I mean, there's there's even the scene, kind of the climax of the film, when the detectives and Alistair and Jane are there and stuff, and they tell her that like her family is dead and that she's crazy. But like right before that, she has that little moment where she says, no, I saw it on like Thursday. Wait, was it Thursday? Yeah, it was Thursday. Like she has that little moment where she can't even remember what day it was. And so by stating it there, like it's a disconnect between her and the viewer that doesn't do anything that isn't productive in any any kind of way. Because if you want this to be a big reveal, and if you want the audience, you know, as contrived as this plot device is, if you want the audience to not think that she is as unreliable as she is, why would you give us day information that she clearly can't keep straight either? Because then you're just giving us clues to the fact that she's unreliable and we're more reliable than she is, which doesn't make that much sense if you want the story to be filtered through her lens. We shouldn't know that she's unreliable and we shouldn't have information that she doesn't have. And if she can't keep the days straight, we shouldn't be told what the days are. Yeah, that yeah, I was going to just say that cuz like if the whole film is built up upon the idea that she is an unreliable narrator, we cannot be the reliable narrator watching the story. Exactly. So the whole whole plot-wise it is a big mess. Like definitely. Yeah. It's not creative and it doesn't really make much sense. <laughs> No, no. It is really sad cuz like it, it's the same thing as as things heard and seen. Yeah. It, it could have been really great. Yeah, exactly. It's not nearly as bad as things heard and seen. No. For sure. No. Because at least... This one doesn't make me angry. No, it doesn't make me angry. And it's also... I mean, there's so much about this film that is really good. But at least, uh, like, what you can say about the plot is even though it's contrived and poorly executed, at least they sort of stuck with one vibe. Whereas like yeah. things heard and seen just went all over the fucking place and it didn't yeah. have anything to save it. Whereas this has, I don't necessarily agree that like a film can be saved by something, but it was still, I still enjoyed watching the performances of the actors and actresses. And I thought the dialogue was actually written pretty well. Uh, like the conversations flow nicely yeah, on the whole, no, that is true. And then the cinematography is actually gorgeous, and that makes sense because the director of photography is Bruno Delbanel. He was a cinematographer for things like Amelie and Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Big Eyes, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, like stories that are very um, or films that are very visually artsy. Mm. Um, and and a little bit weird especially like Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children and also Big Eyes actually Big Eyes is very strange yeah well this is a good segue to the things that we actually did like about the film like the cinematography Mm -hmm. and the whole how the scene and the the frame 
of the sea scenes are put together the composition of it there were several instances while i was watching the film you kind of stop and think that oh this would be a cool photo like it is how the where the characters stand in the room and how colors of the set and the colors of the costumes and the lighting and the shadows and the angle of the camera how everything creates this kind of like intimate but still distant because like you have very intensive Mm close-ups and then you have um shots that are clearly that the camera is in a different room and the actors are in a different room. So you have that kind of seeing through frames. Cinematography is really on point yeah. in this film. It stood out to me definitely when she's, I guess the closest I can call them is like benders, when she's really seemingly out of it and the alcohol is mixing with her medication and she's clearly drunk and tired and kind of out of it how it's shot it uses especially in the like first parts of the movie a lot of dutch angles those very like stylized tilted angles where it just makes things look really off kilter yeah like something's wrong and i just thought that that was really good and they seem to I could have missed something, but it seemed like those really sharp, disorienting angles are used more in the first half of the film when she's seeing all this crazy stuff and she's drunk more often, whereas towards the end when she becomes uh, a lot more sure of herself, you don't really see those Dutch angles anymore and you don't see those odd traveling cameras and things like that. You get more... A traditional setup even though still there the cinematography is really good but it seems to be telling a bit of a story there at least in how it's shot yeah yeah and um the placement of the actors within the frame is at times i felt it was very like theater-esque it, it, it almost seemed that seemed that there is a very clear upstage and downstage type of thing yeah, because you had if if there was a scene that had several actors in in the scene, a lot of the times they were divided that some were in the first room and then a bunch were in the second room and then the camera was placed so that everyone was visible. So you had that kind of separation between people. And if the actors were all in the same room, then the camera tended to be in a different room to kind of distance them, like distance the actors from the viewer. And a lot of like built-in architectural frames already in the the whole the the set design. Yeah. So you had a lot of door frames, window frames, then archways, shots in the on the stairs, which gave also these kinds of like lines and barriers. It was very theatrical. Yes. And also, um, by the end, when they final reveal came from the, that the son was the killer, and then when he started to chase Anna around the house, you got that kind of dollhouse effect. It, the camera was kind of an outside entity looking into a dollhouse where everything was happening. Yeah, and that, I feel that that dollhouse effect kind of carries from the beginning already, but it's very 
subtle. Yeah. But by the the end chase, it comes more prominently that you see the kind of um, lines between rooms. Like you see the walls. Yeah, for sure. And the camera seems to go through the walls, which was really interesting. Yeah. Speaking of, again, props to the set designers because you never really know the circumstances of filming and that that must have been like i don't know if that was like an already built brownstone type thing that they filmed in or if that was like just constructed set but in combination with how they filmed it it felt massive and the fact that you could the camera could travel through it and you as the viewer looking at it could travel through with them as well I think adds to that, you know, dollhouse effect. Like you could see all these different rooms and however they did that, whoever's job that was did a brilliant job. Yeah. So visually it is nice to look at. Yeah. That's the thing is like looking at all the people who worked on this film, it has to be down to the material because these people make excellent films on the whole. And you know, a lot of them have already worked together before. Joe Wright directed Gary Oldman in The Darkest Hour. And Amy Adams worked with, well, I don't know how much she worked with him, but the same director of photography on this film was the director of photography on Big Eyes and Amy Adams starred in Big Eyes. These people have all worked together. And then I realized that Tim Burton directed Big Eyes. And so I think that's where the Danny Elfman link comes in. Because <laughs> also Danny Elfman inexplicably did the music for this, which I would not have picked up on. I mean, the music was good. Even with all of this, I just, the plot has too many holes in it to be saved i think even with all of those very talented capable people (laughs) yeah it just makes me wonder how how bad this film would have been if if the cast wouldn't have been like a list cast yeah for sure i think it would have been i said this at the beginning the plot seems more like a, a lifetime film lifetime like the movie channel it's not really around here but it's just like a movie channel that is known for like having really cheesy films on it that have really contrived plots a lot of the stories follow similar structures and have what are supposed to be huge plot twists and it's like okay i saw that coming so and so was the murderer the whole time shock surprise Um, (laughs) so uh, i think that's more what this film would have been like had it not had great actors and great cinematography and really good directing. Yeah. You never really know the ins and outs of what constraints they had to work under. You know, are there specific terms to how they're allowed to use the material and how much they're allowed to change it? Because sometimes that can happen as well. So, you know, maybe they had to stick more closely to the material than they would have liked to, or maybe the reverse was different. Maybe there was pressure from other sources to push it in different directions. Like you never know because all of those things stay kind of behind closed doors. You never really know the people involved in those decisions, the pressure coming from the production companies. So it's hard to say, but like there's so many good people involved in it that like the the names you're looking at I'm like I find it hard to pin it on 
any of these people, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, no, definitely. I don't know if you have anything else to say. That's kind of it for me. Cause I thought there isn't really that much to say about, I think, I think we touched on the points that we wanted to make, like the things we really liked and the things we didn't really like, but it sort of results in a movie that's kind of meh. And you and I both watched it about two weeks ago now. And even though that's not that long, we had to jog our own memories. And I know I went back like earlier today and watched clips and stuff to reorient myself because it just didn't stick in my mind that much, to be honest. No. I would I would say that this is a good film for like you, if you don't have a film that you really want to see, yeah, and you want to just watch a f- film in the evening that's on Netflix, I think this is a more than good choice. You don't have to really fully invest in this watch experience. No, because it's not like you're going to miss something really important because this is not a complicated plot. But every time you tune back in, like you're gonna, every time you tune back in, you're gonna be met with some really good acting. So that's fine. And pretty pictures. So if someone asked me what I thought of this film, I'd say it's fine. Meh. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Wouldn't rewatch it? No. But I'm also not. I would rewatch the first hour. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, if it would be a film release in the cinema, then I might feel a bit different. Yeah. Because then I would have paid for the ticket and then been a bit annoyed because I don't feel that it is worth 15 euros. No. So, um, no, it's not. A 15 year old film for a Netflix film, go for it. But also, you it's, and I have yeah. paid for many like horror and suspense films, and a lot of them don't turn out great. So, if you and I went to the cinema and we saw this, I think I might actually kind of be okay with it because that's sort of the caliber of horror movies nowadays. And I know it's not a horror film, but you know what I mean yeah yeah it's not like you're not angry it's not suicide squad no but again i on the flip side of that though it doesn't cross over into at all like oh it's so bad it's entertaining or anything yeah no no it it doesn't turn into like weird no like the red dress that we saw oh my god what was it called yeah in fabric in fabric yeah i would love to talk about that but i don't even know if i have it in me to like watch that film again yeah if for for the two listeners that we have um if you want to see something horror weird i don't even know if it's horror just weird I think it's horror. Horror house weird horror. I would call it horror because I wouldn't tell if you don't like horror films, don't watch it. Like, you know, like the kind of opposite of that statement is true. Like, I don't think it's a horror film, but I also don't think it would fall into another category that someone who doesn't like horror would want to watch. 
True, true. Okay, so if you do enjoy horror and you want to watch something completely weird, yeah, and a film that you don't really know if you actually liked or hated, because I, I, I'm at the moment, I'm still thinking that I might have actually enjoyed it because it was just it was so. It's a fever dream. It's a fever. It's dream. totally That's what a it fever is. dream. Like you, you. I mean, we left the cinema, and I felt like I had been on a trip. Yeah, you know, it, it leaves you with that moment where you're like, "Did someone spike my drink?" Yep. And so that's if, not if, an exaggeration. You, like, did someone spike my drink? Because this no, is that. So do not watch this film high. Oh my Just gosh, saying. no. Um, oh, that would be horrific watching that yeah. film high. Yeah. So for those who want to watch something very niche and weird, mm -hmm. In Fabric is your choice, yeah. not the woman in the window. I would say <laughs> I would be totally willing to re-watch in fabric if we watched it together like next time the world allows for the two of us to be in person together i would watch that again i just want to watch it i would watch that we could yeah personally we could we could do a whole episode only because it had very yeah because i feel that if i rewatch it i need to take notes definitely but like i don't think it's an experience that i would i would enjoy as much alone because i think i want to be able to sit down and like pause the film and talk to you about it in the moment, parse out what the fuck is happening. Yeah. Right. Well, we can do that if I ever come to Amsterdam again. Yes, please. <laughs> if we are ever allowed to fly again. again. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, I don't know. If you want to watch it, watch it. I hope actually, sorry, because we tend to be very spoiler heavy. So you might have already watched it. Yeah. I so um, I think the plot is the least interesting thing about this film. So even though I sat down and I told the three listeners we have everything that happened, I, I don't think that that messes with your experience of the film at all. Because at every point, you see what's coming. So, yeah. If you want to sit down yeah. with a glass of wine and you don't really have much else to watch... This is fine. And just enjoy the, the pretty pictures and the fun angles and the gorgeous set and Amy Adams being brilliant like Amy Adams always is. Yeah. But I think that's everything. Do you have any suggestions for what to watch next week? Do we want to do... There's that new Bo Burnham that's come out. We can do that. That's a documentary. I don't I don't know what it is like that he's made. I want, yeah the yeah the year what was it called one year year like it just came out it's called bo burnham inside yeah yeah and it's Him. on yeah. netflix yeah we can do that if you want yeah that sounds good maybe something different i don't know how much of it is stand-up and how much of it is artsy like i don't know i'm intrigued and bo burnham's great so okay bo burning inside yeah right so so next week we will be watching Bo Burnham inside. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> it has to be like the the commentator voice, like not even the commentator, but what films use like five hundred years ago in a world full of Bo Burnhams. There was a new inside Bo Burnham <laughs> inside.
<laughs> your Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Well. Wow. <laughs> right. So that's a plan. Yep. Cool. cool. I'll see you next week then. You mean hear you next week? Beautiful. <laughs> well said. Well done. Right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>